The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Welcome to the business show that will change the way you look at your business practice, your organization, and yourself. This is Let's Get Radical with Liz Gold and Jody Paydar. On today's show, you'll get the straight scoop on what it means to be radical and how it can help you become the next success story. Now, here are your hosts, Jody and Liz. Hey, Liz, are you ready? Jody, I'm totally ready. Let's get radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm with Jody Paydar, and you're listening to Let's Get Radical, Business Talk Unfiltered. Today, we're talking with Renee Lassert. And Jody, I know you have so many stories about Renee. You like absolutely love him. I totally do. I'm going to totally be fangirling all over him today. <laughs> um, if there is one person who's changed my life and actually my business, um, it would be Renee. And it's because he invented this thing called online payroll software like over 10 years ago. And who knew what working in the cloud, how it would change my firm and all that stuff. And, and so, um, it's just really cool to, um, to actually to know Renee and to know that, um, like, and that we get to interview him today. And we're going to talk about a little bit about his new product and his new, um, well, it's not really new anymore. It's like seven years old, but his, uh, his accounting or his accounts receivable and payable solution, which is build.com, which is also one of our sponsors. Woo-hoo. So um, without any further ado, because I'm going to keep loving on this whole show, but I'll let you introduce them. Sure. Yes. So a fourth generation entrepreneur, Renee founded build.com in April 2006 to transform how businesses pay and get paid. His goal was to eliminate paper from the entire payment process while automating the mundane, tiresome financial processes and transactions that have plagued and distracted accountants, finance leaders, and CEOs for decades. Today, Bill.com is the nation's leading business payments network, enabling over 1 million users to pay and get paid millions of bills worth tens of billions of dollars. Using technology to make life simpler has always been encoded in Renee's DNA. Prior to Bill.com, he co-founded America's number one online payroll service, PayCycle, which was acquired by Intuit in 2009. Before PayCycle, Renee spent five years at Intuit, leading a variety of fast-growth small business services. A frequent industry speaker, blogger, and guest columnist, Renee was recently honored as one of Accounting Today's top 100 most influential people and was the Business Intelligent Group's Executive of the Year. He holds an MS in Industrial Engineering and a BA in Quantitative Economics from Stanford University. Welcome, Renee, to the show. Thank you both for having me on. Very excited to to connect and engage in the conversation. Awesome. So I'm I'm just curious. You know, coming from a family of entrepreneurs, I mean, how has that shaped you? You know, it's interesting, you know, dinner table conversations oftentimes turn to business. And when you're talking about business, you can't help but talk about cash flow. And so dad and granddad, I think granddad had seven businesses in his life, dad had five. I would consistently hear how cash is king and you got to stretch out the payables and pull and the receivables. So in one way, just hearing about that need, about how do you manage cash flow, and seeing Dad going on the weekend to pay bills or send out invoices and collect on invoices, or hearing Mom talk on the phone to help on those collections or whatever, like all of those things uh, help influence my desire to get rid of the paper pay uh, process that businesses have when it comes to managing their payables or receivables. And what we do at Bill.com is you know, help people dramatically simplify how they pay get paid. 
So definitely being a, you know, a fourth generation entrepreneur, uh, that influenced me just the product set. But the other thing we talked about at the dinner table would be building a culture for a company. Uh, you know, how do you hire? How do you let go of the folks that aren't working out? How do you, um, really kind of put into the DNA and the fabric, you know, the principles and values that actually make you successful that can help make the company successful and make your customers successful. And so, I don't think we talked about it, you know, as articulate as that, but you do pick up all those things because there were days when they would come home and they would talk about the, the challenges and the people issues and the customer issues and the system issues, and you would hear all those conversations and you would learn you know, through osmosis and you would learn some, you know, actual tactical things about how you problem solve and all that type of good stuff. So I think being, uh, you know, I feel very fortunate to, you know, I've had dad and granddad and mom and grandma who were all in business together uh, to learn from. Just, uh, you know, the dinner table MBA is what I call it. Probably highly more valuable than any piece of paper you get. I love that. That's great. So you really, truly do have business in your blood, I would imagine. So um, how did, what businesses were they in? Just for, just to Yeah, so uh, granddad, you know, would have been born in 1917, I think. And, um, he, you know, was born in Canada, and so he had lots of different businesses, everything from uh, a general store to uh, farming, uh, to farming equipment, to car dealerships, to citrus, uh, to, you know, in the late 50s, early 60s, he got into data processing. And so, you know, when, it, when that was revolution was beginning to happen, so it was very early, you know, he was buying the, the mainframe computers and they had the, the punch cards and the operators and the programs that were being written, but all of that was kind of central. In some ways, uh, you know, computing was actually similar to the cloud back then in that everything got done at one office. Nobody else could go out and build software remotely. You had to be next to the computer to do it. Um, and so, you know, all the businesses since then have been financial services. So, uh, you know, the first one was data processing for basically GL packages and it was a GL system and a payroll system. Uh, and that business, uh, my dad and mom helped uh, build that business up in D.C. And eventually that business ended up getting sold to ADP in the early 80s. Uh, my dad also had another business which collected data from accountants. Back, they started this in the 70s and they probably wrapped it up in uh, around 2000. Um, but uh, they collected data from accountants and then they would publish that data back out so that accounts and other business analysts could review the data and decide uh, how their clients should be doing things. So examples might be what's the typical car allowance that a, a pharmacist has for their business? What's the the current ratio that a construction firm has or whatnot. So that book, that business is called financial research issues. Then he started another payroll company after the lockup from ADP uh, was out. So, so all of them had been financial services. You know, I had cousins who worked in my granddad's business who ended up starting the cert tax software, uh, which I think folks probably know and too about that as well, but that's, uh, all financial services, all helping accountants uh, manage their back office and their client relations. So payroll was like really in your blood, right? It, yeah, it was. I mean, the night that uh, I was born, I guess I should say the morning I was born, I was two weeks early and my mom was uh, not feeling well. It was a Wednesday night. She wasn't feeling well. And she was uh, saying to my dad, hey, let me, uh, let's just go home and I'll come back in tomorrow and finish. And he's like, look, let's just finish this job and then you take the weekend off because there's no other jobs the rest of the week, Thursday and Friday, that you need to worry about. So uh, she uh, was carrying around and he was carrying around, you know, trays of punch cards that weighed 50 pounds between 9 o'clock and midnight. They get home at 12.30 and by 1 o'clock she's having labor pains and I was born at 2.30. So I was literally born. And that particular job that they were working on was a defense contractor at D.C. and it was their payroll uh, GL job. So it was, I literally was born into what I've been doing ever since. So that's wow. amazing. Yeah. And so, so then like, you know, you started PayCycle, and, and obviously that's where like, I know you from, but 
Um, do you think when you started PayCycle and you were using the cloud that you were kind of before its time, or do you think you hit the market at the right time? I think when uh, you know, the evolution of what the Internet means to developers and customers, uh, you know, it's been now 23 years since I first learned about the Internet, Twenty, yeah, almost 23 years, 22 years um, since I first learned about the Internet. And I think our understanding of what the Internet is has dramatically changed in the last, you know, I would say the last seven years. And and that term of the Internet is now, we call it cloud. And what's different uh, about the cloud versus the Internet is when we started PayCycle in, in 2000, our focus was on using the Internet as a delivery system for getting the software into the hands of our customers. And we we understood there was a central database which had some advantages, but we didn't really think about how to leverage that. So when you think mm-hmm. about Bill.com and how we leverage that and how other cloud developers leverage that, there is one user interface um, and one database that then is customized across lots of different users and systems that potentially need access to data. So at Bill.com, there's lots of different ways. You can log in as a payer and have the ability to see everything. You can log in as an approver and you only get to see what you're invited to approve. You can log in as a vendor and you only see the information of the payment that is coming to you. There's so many different ways, but it's one system and one platform. But the experience that the customer has is unique, and yet the platform is one. So I think when when you ask questions about PayCycle, I think what we were ahead of our time on is I don't think I fully understood. I did not fully grok the power of the Internet and how we could have leveraged that. To, to actually, you know, make payroll even easier. And yet I still think the PayCycle platform is the easiest platform to do payroll out there. Um, but I do think that there's what was ahead of its time is we didn't fully understand that the Internet really was the cloud, and there are so many things you can do because of that. Right, because, I mean, like, I totally see, like, how it's evolved as well, and I see how Bill.com has evolved it, and it's so funny because when I think back about using PayCycle, and we actually still use it, um, and I always wonder, like, what would um, what would PayCycle look like today if Renee was still running it? So, I don't know. There's a little love for you there, but um, it, it's amazing to me how you took that experience of, you know, building that company and then selling it to Intuit and like, you know, evolving to the next company. And so I think um, that's what we're going to talk about after we come back from our break. But um, it's so cool to have an entrepreneur who's actually like started one place and is still evolving that journey. So um, stay tuned when we come back with Renee and we learn more about how Build.com has evolved from there. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Paydar. And our guest today is Renee Lassert, the CEO of Bill.com. And we're really excited to have Renee here. Um, we're talking about his roots as an entrepreneur and how he grew up in a family of four generations of uh, business owners. And I'm just curious, before we sort of talk a little bit about, you know, why you sold PayCycle to, to get into Bill.com, you know, even though you were talking at the dinner table about business and all these different business processes and saw your parents, you know, stressing about it, were you always into payroll? Yeah, you know, that one of my first memories of money, I sometimes ask this on the channels I'm on, it's, you know, what's the first memory of money? Um, was I had a little cigar box. I don't know where I got it from, but probably dad or granddad. And as I got allowance and as I spent my money, I kept a ledger. And nobody had ever shown me how to keep a ledger, but I had my own, you know, debits and credits that I was keeping for the money coming in and the money going out and a way to total it, see what the balance was. And it was just my own little piggy bank of a cigar box. So I would say that, you know, Probably more internal was just kind of managing money, uh, mm-hmm. and just yeah. And actually, you know, my both grandmothers were accountants. My great grandfather on my one of my grandmother's side uh, was an accountant. So there's a lot of accounting history in the family, as well as the entrepreneurship. So yeah, that's kind of how things I think came together for me uh, genetically, at least. Right and right. So so in terms of pay cycle and in running that business, how did you know it was time to move on? I mean, what what made you decide to sell it, and what was that process like for you? So for me, uh, I had so pay cycle was it was two thousand six, two thousand five. I brought in a new CEO. Um, and I thought, you know, I had been a CEO before. I thought it would be helpful to have somebody take it uh, and help grow it to the next stage of the business. And so as I brought that person in, I also was thinking about, you know, other startups that I wanted to do. And this is the, the main one I wanted to do. And so after getting that person onboarded and, you know, set, I left the company in 2006, uh, stayed on as a board member and was an active board member. So... When Intuit came, you know, knocking, so to speak, in 2009, you know, I was a board member, one of seven board members that had a, you know, a right to vote. And, you know, my opinion at the point in time was that Intuit was uh, a great platform to kind of extend the reach of the customer base on and had a great match with the values uh, from a cultural perspective for the employees and customers. And so, you know, I was kind of one of many that consulted, and it was really up to the management team, and they decided to sell. So it was the right thing all the way around, it sounded like. It was a great thing, right? Yeah. So it's interesting for me to kind of pinpoint and say it was the right thing. I mean, uh, it, it was a good thing for me. It was a good thing for everybody involved, and it was a great thing, I think, for uh, both companies. But I think uh, it wasn't, my point is, it wasn't my decision, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was consulted like an investor should be. Uh, but it wasn't my decision, and I think Intuit's done great things with it, and uh, I'm sure they, you know, there's more stuff that they could do, but I feel very good that they have as many customers on the platform and that the platform continues to work for Intuit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, how, around that time, like, what happened in terms of how you started Build.com? Was that around that same time? Was it, you know, what was sort of the timeline with that? Uh, so when I so when I I started thinking about how painful it was for businesses to pay and get paid, probably back in two thousand four, two thousand three, and that was because I was running PayCycle and I was trying to manage and do what Dad and Granddad taught me, which was the you know stretch out the payables, pull in the receivables, manage your cash, cash is king. I was trying to do all that and had a very manual process running around the office to make all that stuff happen. And so I started thinking about it at night, wanted to think that I like to solve problems. And if I get stuck on problems that are my day job, I don't like thinking about them at night because that keeps me awake at night. So then I think about other problems that aren't ones I really have to solve today. And so I started thinking about this particular problem of helping people manage their their payments in and out. And what I realized was that it was a pretty exciting opportunity. And so 
uh, in 2000 and, you know, five, six, when I was bringing on the CEO, that was for Paycycle, that was my plan was to leave and start this. So, you know, it wasn't, uh, I think the, it was, you know, over several years that, it, you know, the idea accumulated and the enthusiasm and passion energy around it accumulated. And I also was thinking about, you know, how I would, you know, uh, manage and, you know, the culture of the company, maybe a little bit different than Bay Cycle, just a whole number of things, and it kind of came together. And then, obviously, uh, being a board member on Bay Cycle and being active allowed me to continue to influence the strategic direction of the company and uh, understand, you know, what the uh, the learnings were from growing that business. So, right. And, and so, I mean, how, obviously, technology has impacted businesses in a major way. I mean, the cloud is basically exploded everywhere. I mean, how would you say that has affected your business? Um, even if you started doing online payroll, you know, it seems like changes and disruptions are happening, you know, very fast. So how do you keep up and how is it affecting you? Um, I think, you know, the, the changes are, are happening fast. And I think the the job that my job, part of my job is to, you know, stay in front and to be the visionary about where the company is going, where the technology is going and, and matching those two together so that customers get the most efficient experience they can have and the best experience they can have. And so I think that, you know, understanding the, the transformational aspect of cloud computing, and it sounds so cliche, but it is transformational and having a central user interface and a central database that can then be customized for anybody or anything that needs access to that data. <clears throat> That's like when you start thinking about it that way as a developer or a software, you realize the potential uh, to build interesting solutions actually explodes, right? There's just so many things we can do for customers with that approach and understanding that we don't have to worry about people upgrading their software every month, as an example, and that we can create a different user experience for every type of person that comes in and that we can connect with any type of data platform that should have access to our customers' data uh, or data that we should have access to. And so to answer your question, I think my role is to think about all the technologies that are out there and to pull that together. So that helpers that did you have something yeah no yeah and it also it just makes me want to ask you know who is your customer sweet spot i mean for people that are may not be that familiar with bill.com you know what kind of businesses would really benefit from what you're doing well you know first and foremost we have a you know tremendous uh, opportunity and and focus on accounts and bookkeepers right so folks that serve businesses and part of the reason we do that is because those folks actually go out and they serve the businesses um, you know, day to day, and, and they know their clients, and they know the opportunities that are in front of them. And so, we have a you know uh, a sweet spot with firms, accounting and bookkeeping firms that serve small businesses with what I would term as back office accounting tools, so that they can provide more strategic value to their clients. So that's that's one sweet spot. Another sweet spot, I would say, in general for businesses, like if you just look at our demographics. We have companies that are public that use us, and we have companies that have less than $100,000 in revenue that use us. And the sweet spot in there is probably somewhere between, um, you know, half a million and two million is probably the sweet spot of where there's lots of customers and there's plenty of need. Um, but like I said, you know, we kind of follow your census data uh, across the entire segment, and so you know, we really want all customers and. And I wouldn't say there's anyone, you know, is there a sweet spot for a QuickBooks or a Xero? Um, mm -hmm. I don't think there necessarily is. I think there's, you know, they, you know, definitely QuickBooks serves all customers. Um, yeah. so, and so, go ahead. so did you think about how it was going to affect like the accountants and your small businesses and how you were like the connector between it because of your experience of pay cycle? So like when you, when you build this on this platform that's kind of blank and you can and you can put all these different interfaces together on it, is that kind of how like bill.com evolved and that was that because of your experience with Paycycle that you kind of figured that out? Because I think you figured that out before a lot of the competition did. 
Yeah, I think I figured that out because of dad and granddad and mom and grandma, right? I mean, the the, the way data processing used to get done is actually not too dissimilar, right? I mean, the client that my mom was sorting punch cards for uh, came through an accountant in the D.C. office, mm-hmm. right? So accountants have always served and offered, uh, you know, transactional services, if you will, to businesses. And they, and what happened, you know, probably from the time of the mainframe penny to the time of the PC is that accounts, unfortunately, got squeezed out of some of that. So I have always, just growing up hearing that, I understood that accounts in particular um, had a unique opportunity to add value to their customers if they could only, you know, basically stick themselves in the middle of all their processes. And the cloud was a way to kind of say, you know, the accountant gets to have access to what they should have access to, the client gets to have access to what they should have access to, and the, the two don't have to meet, but when they do, it's totally integrated. And so I think I understood that. I may not have been as articulate about that when I started PaceFactful as I am now, but I understood that from my own family experience that when we did PaceCycle, I was like, well, we need to have a tool for accounts to be able to manage their clients' payroll. Uh, and so that's how we kind of started that process. And I think, you know, what we've done at Bill.com is taken that to a whole new level. Uh, just the way that people interact, the way that accounts interact with their customers with, with non, uh, you know, with the, the payables or sequels is just dramatically different than they ever could have done before. Right. And I think that was like early on too, because I mean, in 2007 or eight, whenever like bill.com really first started, it was, it it was before its time. And now it's like people are just catching on to it, but it's been doing all those things for all those years. Right. And now it just seems like, oh, everybody's talking about it. But the early adopters and the people who were, who have been on it for the beginning understood all that. So I guess that I, I would agree. So that leads to the thing is like, um, what does it feel like to be like the early, early to the market or kind of to build your company on the fact that you were one of the first, I guess, visionaries in the market of this versus, you know, just starting a program today where everybody already gets that. Well, I was talking with my mom uh, sometime in the last six months just about business and, and, um, one of the things that she was saying, and I was just saying it was a hard day. And I, I love to talk about this with the kids, like the difference between a hard day and a working hard day. And you need both types of days to actually be successful in life. And hard okay. days are sometimes you work really hard and they're really hard stuff that you're working on. Anyways, I was talking about that with my mom. And she's like, yeah, you know, if I ever knew how hard anything was going to be, I never would have done any of it. And then we kind of both finished the sentence saying, and if we ever knew how great it was to have succeeded, we would have started sooner, mm. right? So I think the, the the point is that, you know, my job is to understand, you know, what is coming and have a vision of what is coming and just to keep plugging away at it and making sure that I'm giving that, that vision an opportunity to be surfaced and, and experienced by others. And so, you know, I don't think about whether I'm early or whether I'm late. I think about that's what we should be doing, and I'm just going to march forward until we're doing that. And then when I'm done with that, I'll go figure out something else we should be doing. I'll march forward, you know, until we get to that point. So I don't think of it as about being early or late, though. I would love it if there were more people, you know, adopting cloud solutions because I know how much time. Our customers save 50 to 75% of the time it takes to manage that back office. I mean, huge time savings, and that's not even accounting for the fact that they believe that they're better informed and more in control than they've ever been in the on platform. Yeah, it's that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about trends maybe coming down the pike and further in the show. But right now we're going to take a, a break. And um, when we come back, Jody's going to take a peek into your financial underwear drawer. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready. <laughs> Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies 
and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. So, I'm here on Let's Get Radical. Um, I'm Jody Paydar, and I'm here with Liz Gold, and we are here with Renee Lassert talking all about um, one of my favorite apps that I actually used in my firm called Bill.com. And I have to tell you, Renee, about a, a quick, cute story um, that happened to me. And um, you don't realize how many people use Bill.com until you're out on the street and people are talking about it. So I was actually in San Francisco for um, a retreat type of event, and I met the guy who, um, his name is Tom Chi, but he actually founded um, Google Glasses, or he was on like the Google Glass team. And I reached in my purse to grab a pen, and I have the um, the official Bill.com pen, which is like an orange pen, and he's got um, he's got a bald head, and then he's got this crazy orange hair that comes out of him. And if you turn him around, he's actually like a screen cleaner. So I was using my Bill.com pen to write something down, and um, the guy who I was talking to goes, oh, my God, that's a Bill.com pen? He goes, I use Bill.com. And then he whipped out his phone to show me his Bill.com app. So I thought it was really interesting because I, I, I guess being like the nerdy accountant that I am, I was amazed that a small business owner was so excited with his app that um, he had to show it to me on his phone. So Renee, do you get lots of experiences like that where people like are so excited that they have to show you their Build.com app? You know, I, I do get, uh, which is great, that more and more I get those types of experience. And so I would say a couple of years ago, I'd go to, some event and somebody, I would say what I was doing, and I'd get people saying, oh, that's, yeah, we use Bill.com. It'd be one person. And, and that's changed to, in the Bay Area, you know, when I talk about it, um, if I'm at a party or whatever, there usually is multiple people that uh, will say, oh, we use it and we love it. And, you know, then I'll hear how many companies they've put on it or how many companies they use it for today. Uh, I sometimes, what I love is we're starting to hear about people. I've had personal friends that live on the East Coast uh, in different parts of the country, that they've now been invoiced by somebody uh, through Bill.com, and now they're paying those particular, a snowplow guy, a gardener, whatever, you know, through Bill.com, which is just kind of fun to see. And people always are happy with the experience. And that's why, you know, you do, that's why I do what I do, is I just I want to make life a little bit easier for everybody. Right. I mean, I, to me, it was just exciting, too. So I don't know. Um, it's I'm good just... marketing. You know, those pens are good marketing. So everybody Excellent. in that marketing department, you know, <laughs> needs to get a pat on the back for that. <laughs> um, but now I want to, like, dive into your financial underwear drawer, which is, like, my favorite start part of the show. And I'm going to ask you something about you know, managing your business from, we'll say, an accounting standpoint. And this is kind of a deep question, so I hope you're ready for it. Um, and if you can't answer it, that's okay, too. But Avalar is one of our sponsors as well. And what's interesting to me is um, how being in the cloud is now being taxed. So have you had any experience, or I'm sure your accounting team has, as to, like, understanding why or I should say, what states are um, you're getting taxed in for having cloud software in? And, and as a business owner, how has that complexity, you know, affected your your management, right? Uh, you know, it, it does. I mean, taxes, there's always different tax strategies, whether it's personal or business, that people can have. And so to answer the latter part of your question, I try not to let it affect our strategy too much because um, I don't want to optimize for one thing and fail on something else. So 
you know, what we have experienced is that the, the cloud tax, the sales tax, whatever, it really gets back more to where the, whether we have employees in a particular state or not. And so, you know, we do have remote employees, and do we say we're not going to hire people from this state because now we have to be taxed? And, you know, we, we could probably be you know, more thoughtful about that, but I also don't want to constrain so uh, the business. So I don't know if that really answers your question. It hasn't been too much of a problem for us today because um, you know, most of our employees are in California, and, and we're fine with the approach that they take. Right, you just pay extra tax in California, but um, <laughs> you do for lots of different things. Yes. Right. No, but I guess um, to me that just brings up the the point of the whole idea of a remote, or not even just a remote business, but a business that's smaller and growing, and because of the cloud now has all these additional compliance issues that they might not have had before, um, because of the nexus issues, et cetera, and so. It's interesting to me to see even like itty bitty businesses have to deal with it, and then businesses like yours that are growing have to deal with all that complexity. and And how do you kind of keep it into perspective as you grow your business? Well, I think the you know what, what I was what we have seen is that the it doesn't really affect the product strategy as much as it affects the employee and the remote employee strategy. Um, and so, you know, when I think about how it affects the business, I think, you know, our focus is always on, you know, building great solutions for customers that change their lives and, and uh, you know, being thoughtful about, you know, the overall expense structure, but trying not to get, you know, focused uh, so much on one thing that you optimize your penny-wise pound force, right? So, um, so I think that's the, I don't know if that answers your your question, but that, you know, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it because I'm just trying to, I'm running a race and we're just all, we're all out. So. No, right. No, I, I get that. I guess I was just um, curious as a pers- um, as a perspective on it. Cause I know a lot of small businesses like kind of grapple with that. Right. And as they grow, and I think that's the right answer is that you should make business decisions and not necessarily tax decisions. Right. Um, but if you were to think about one metric or one thing that you um, look at as you run your business, what do you think the most important thing that you're watching is from either a data perspective or a financial perspective? You know, I think from a financial perspective, uh, the metric that's most important for a company that's growing fast is the additional gross new monthly recurring revenue that's added every month. So, um, and, you know, in our business, if, let's just use an example, if I add $1,000 in gross new revenue today, I know the customer is going to last for, you know, a long time, many, many, many years, five, six, seven years. And so that $1,000 can translate to, you know, tens of thousands of dollars based on the timeline that they might last. And so the metric that, you know, we track is are we adding, you know, which we are, we're adding a lot of gross new revenue every month, but is our growth rate of the ad of the gross new revenue growing? Because that needs to grow as well. Uh, if you want to have a high growth company, the law of large numbers means that as you grow your revenue, uh, if you don't grow your gross new revenue, your growth rate is going to decline. And then, you know, that changes how you're valued as a company. It changes the opportunities for growth. It changes, you know, the types of people that want to work your company. So it's a lot of things. So that's probably the one financial metric. Um, The other one is we have, we did an employee survey, you know, on a uh, quarterly basis. And we have, uh, there's a lot of metrics in there, but the employee satisfaction would be an important you know, metric that we track, that I track, and then the reasons for whatever that score is uh, kind of is something that we dive into and make sure we understand. So there's, I mean, you know, we, I'm a data guy, so there's hundreds of different metrics that we track, but those two came to mind when you asked. Right. And I wonder, I mean, you probably do a little bit more correlation on them too, but if you have happy employees, you probably have more sales, right? Or that ideally they would correlate well together. Uh, they, I mean, definitely that's, you see that in sales, uh, for sure, right? So in the sales organization, when they're feeling empowered and motivated and happy and 
you know, crude management, you know, their conversion rates are higher. Everything's just better, right? So, so that definitely is true um, on on that front. Uh, and I think it's, I'm sure it's true across the company. It's harder to correlate, you know, a happy engineer to the feature that next gets, gets developed to three months from now when it's released, six months from now when it's being adopted, a year from now when everybody's great. I mean, it's hard to kind of correlate that on that side. Right. No, but that's... That's awesome. Well, um, this has been awesome financial underwear drawer segment, and we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to wrap it up with Renee Lassert, and we'll be back in a minute. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. After you bill your customers, hope they pay you on time, pay your vendors, file the paperwork, and try to keep track of it all, you've spent a lot of time. There's an easier solution. Bill.com is a cloud-based business payments platform that works with all the leading accounting software, including QuickBooks. It's easy to set up, easy to learn, and easy to manage. Save yourself frustration, time, and money. We have over 1 million network members and process over $26 billion in payments. Bill.com. Magically simple business payments. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm with Jody Paydar. And our guest today is Renee Lassert. He's CEO of Bill.com, and we've been talking a lot about technology and um, that last segment all about financial stuff that I will leave to Jody was really exciting and interesting. Um, so, Renee, what are some trends business owners should take, you know, keep their eyes out for, for um, their, you know, about what's new and in, in accounts payable and receivable? I, you know, there's, there's kind of two uh, trends that come to mind for me. One, is, they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, one would be electronic payments, uh, and the other would be uh, adoption of mobile usage. So everybody now has a smartphone in their wallet or in their pocket where they are out of the job site, meeting with the client, meeting with the customer, meeting with the vendor, and they should be able to interact and do business and, and conduct uh, the necessary, you know, conversation that they might need to have with the information that they don't necessarily have. And so mobile's going to change that, right? The, when I think about the mobile app that we have in Bill.com and what we've been able to add to that particular app and the ease of use around that app, uh, and what's coming in that app over the next year, it, you know, I'm just, I'm pretty confident that that's going to be a game changer for how businesses and accounts interact with the data that drives business. And so, you know, the example of being able to, you know, be in the line, I've had customers tell me this, be in the line at Disneyland, get a notification um, asking uh, or, you know, some message saying, hey, can you pay the bill? And then having bill.com available so you can go do the research. Well, how that changes with the mobile app is there's just going to be a notification, a text message, you're going to get an alert, your phone will vibrate. Have the ability to then quickly drill in on that invoice, click back and see the supporting documents for the 
the vendor, whether that's a contract, see any notes related, all of this on your phone when you're in line at Disneyland or at the airport or at a soccer meet or whatever, and having basically that entire back office, you know, in your back pocket and automatically organized in a way that's never been organized before. I mean, I, I've never met a business, uh, including any that I've run, that everything was perfectly filed and organized. And yet, if every if you get into Bill.com, it is always attached to the transaction. It's always attached to the vendor. It's always attached to the customer. Nothing is ever lost. And so, I think that the, the mobile revolution that started with the iPhone in 2007, you know, hit consumers first. And I think business is going to change. And for small businesses across America, having their their back office in their back pocket is going to be huge. Yeah, it's changing then, the way everybody does business because essentially you don't have to, we all know, we don't have to sit in an office anymore to do the administrative stuff. You can do it anywhere. So that's really exciting. Yeah, it, and it's a, it's a complete, you know, it, it completely liberates you to be able to have the flexibility to be where you need to be, whether it's personal or business, but yet it also keeps you informed in a way that you've never been informed before. So I, I just think that trend and the apps that will evolve around, I think, about the collaboration that comes from having the cloud and mobile. I think about, you know, sharing, um, you know, information, not just questions, but documents. That's all stuff that, as the mobile kind of makes that really, really simple and that interface really simple, people become more informed. Yeah, yeah. Here's a data point. When I, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, somebody's phone number that works a lot, I could have easily have told you what their phone number was. I no longer have to think about people's phone numbers. I don't have them stored in my brain. They're just in my phone. And so that's an interesting, you know, uh, change in, in, in my, you know, in my experience. And that means that my brain's freed up to do something else that hopefully is more valuable than remembering somebody's phone number. Um, the other trend I talked about is payments. I mean, consumers have had electronic payments really because of credit card. Well, credit cards are pretty expensive. They pretty much charge 3% uh, you know, to the business that's actually accepting the credit card. Business transactions are a lot higher, so businesses don't always want to take credit cards, especially in the service business area, but they don't have to. And so I think the ability to get electronic payments so they get rid of checks uh, is huge. And I think the ability to really re- uh, reduce and eliminate fraud because of those electronic payments is huge. You know, every month it's, it's, you know, three, five million dollars of fraud that we stop for our customers. We don't even tell our customers about that, but we stop fraud every day. There's a team of people that's stopping fraud from happening to our customers. It's just kind of built into the product. And so electronic payments in the way that we do in particular is going to change and it's a trend that's going to be massively uh, impactful on the economy. Wow. That, and that gives CEOs and, you know, leaders of companies so much more additional time to actually do what they love if they're not caught up in all of this stuff on the back end, you know? Um, Do you see any trends in terms of what CEOs are actually spending their time doing if they're not, you know... Signing checks? Yeah, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I would, I think in the, you know, the, the Uber trend, if you will, is that as we continue to use machines to take over the tasks that are simple, mundane, repetitive, um, you know, the human will have to, uh, you know, not have to, but will respond and actually be able to do more with the brain power they have. And that response will, I think, be more strategic and insightful. So if I just take it, you know, the build.com experience for our customers, we enable a more thoughtful conversation about the vendors you're paying and the customers that owe you. That conversation could be in your own head. If you're really small, that's where it's going to be. Or if you're big, it could be with your finance team. And having that conversation is actually why I think paying the bills and collecting on the invoices is probably the most strategic thing any business owner can do because that's where you learn what's going on in your business. It's when we pay the bills, when I'm involved in approving and paying a bill, that I'm like, oh, why is that vendor charging us $25,000? Let me go ask you know, the person involved in, in, with Bill.com. I can just do it all the app. Let me find out more about what that's about. And now I know, oh, we're using this particular vendor to do this type of messaging. And why are we doing that messaging? Well, because we think it's going to be a game changer on how we get to buy our customers or whatnot. 
And so now I know that's something that's really important to that team, and now I'm going to be helping them be more successful about it because now I know it's important. Didn't yeah. know that before. You know, we have 205 employees now, so I'm not going to necessarily know everything going on. But by kind of keeping on top of the finances, in particular the payables and the cubicles that are going in and out, I know yeah. what's driving the business. So I think that type of strategic thinking about the business is what technology will enable. And it's going to take time for people to adapt, but it's going to be uh, much different. You know, and the, much the CPA in me absolutely loves that response, right? The the CPA in me loves that response. But we're actually going to have to wrap up because, you know, this hour has just flown by. So, Renee, if people want to reach you, where can they reach you at? Uh, probably that's uh, just to, you know, either reach me on LinkedIn or feel free to email me, Renee, at Bill.com. Um, those two places are pretty good. Awesome. So I am so grateful that you were able to join us today because, you know, you already know this and I've already, you know, give you all my fangirl love, but, you know, your products have changed my life. So it was just awesome for you to be here with us today. And um, if you'd like to reach us, um, reach out to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. And we're also on Facebook uh, at Let's Get Radical. So thank you very much, Renee. It was a pleasure talking with you, and we will see you all next week. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A dot com. so much for tuning in to Let's Get Radical. Please join Liz Gold and Jody Paydar again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, it's time for you to get radical. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.